You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our friends at MyBookie, where you can still use the promo code UGA to get up to $200 in cash added directly to your account. All you have to do is go to MyBookie.ag, sign up for a new account, and deposit whatever you feel comfortable into your account, and they will hook you up. So bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. I am your host, Tyler, and I guess this is a Black Friday edition of the podcast. I personally am not brave enough. I'll admit it. I am not brave enough to go out there into the world on Black Friday. It scares me. It freaks me out. But I know a lot of you wonderful parents do what you have to do for your kids. So hopefully this episode helps bring a little bit of joy, a little bit of happiness into your lives in the midst of all of that insanity. And today on the show, we've got two items on the agenda. We've got, first up, a little bit of an abbreviated Georgia Tech preview, but we are going to do it. We are, guys, even if you don't exactly care about it. And I know that we we try to be a, a show of the people, a podcast of the people, but there are some things where I just got to say, we're doing this. And one of those things is we are not going to completely skip over a preview of Georgia Tech, of a Power 5 opponent, because I'm not going to be the one to put those bad vibes out there into the universe. I know, like, in reality, what I do in this podcast probably has no bearing, right? Probably, almost certainly, but I'm not going to tempt fate. I'm not going to be the guy that's going to do that. So we are going to do at least a little bit of a Georgia Tech preview for you guys. But after that, we will have what most of you wanted more from this episode, at least based on the poll that I put out there on social media. I will have some early thoughts on the SEC championship game and talk a little LSU. So we'll get there, guys. I promise. I know most of you, most of you, not all of you, but most of you want this episode to be like a full-on early thoughts on the SEC championship game episode. And I get that. But there's some of you that still want a tech preview. And again, I'm not tempting fate. I'm not going to be the one that's going to put that voodoo out into the universe. I ain't doing it. So let's start with a quick little Georgia Tech preview for you guys. And I'll start here. Georgia Tech is not good. Please hear me when I say that, guys. I am not going to try to sell you on the concept that Georgia Tech is actually a good football team. They are not. But saying that, they also are not as bad as you think that they are. 
and they're certainly not as bad as they have been the past couple of years. They're really not. Now, they're again, they're not good. They are, with their total yardage margin, their differential, it's minus 765. So they've been outgained by their opponents by a total of 765 yards on the year. They are minus 17.5 points per game in their points differential. So they're being outscored by an average of 17.5 points per game. So yeah, I'm telling you, they're not good. They're not a good football team. I'm not trying to tell you that they are. But saying that, they've gotten better. Okay, they've gotten better since Jeff Collins was finally shown the door when he got the axe. Okay, so he got fired at the UCF game. Since that point, they've been minus 346 yards and minus 5.7 points per game since that game. So still not good, right? Still not a good football team, but they've improved. They've gotten better. Clearly, in my opinion, them firing Jeff Collins took that kind of that weight off their shoulders, the proverbial albatross off of their neck, right? Now they can play a little more freely. They're not worried about that. And the vibes are a little bit more positive. Now they got a head coach, or at least an interim head coach, who played there. So, you know, there's there's more positive vibes around that program than there were when the, the question was, when is Jeff Collins going to fire? Because it was never if. We knew it was going to happen. It's just a matter of, like, when is it going to happen? Now that question's been answered, and they're playing a little bit better. And since he's been fired in the last two months, Georgia Tech has gone on. They have beaten three bowl teams, all right? They beat Pitt. They beat North Carolina this past weekend, and they beat Duke at home in overtime a couple of weeks ago. So they've beaten some pretty good teams, guys. Like Tech in the past couple of years has not done that. They haven't been competitive against bowl teams. It's those kind of teams. Now, that's not to say they're going to be competitive in this game against us, but against decent teams, they've actually been right there and won a couple of those games. So no, they're not good, but they are better than they were even earlier this year. And they're certainly better than they were in the past couple of years. So last year, for example, they were minus 1060. So they were outgained by over a thousand yards last year. Go back to 2019. I'm going to throw out 2020 because like we didn't play them. It was a COVID year. Who cares? But 2019, whew, last full season before last year, they were minus 1600 yards, guys, outgained by over 1600 yards in the year. So no, they're not good, but they are better. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All right, let's move into a few more specifics about this tech team. Tell you what you guys need to really be watching for on Saturday between the hedges. And it really it's all about the defense for tech. Like if you're wondering, like, okay, what's different for them this year? Like, why are they better? Why are they like kind of improved? Well, it's all about the defense for them. But even saying that, like you look at the season numbers, like in their totality, because you got to go back the first four weeks. Those those count too against their stats, right? Whether Jeff Collins is no longer with them or not, those games count. But the season numbers in totality aren't really good for them. They're still only 12th in the ACC in total defense. They're ninth in the ACC in yards per play defense. They did a couple of weeks ago, the same week that we played Florida, gave up 600 plus yards and 40 plus points to Florida State. But outside of that game, which I know you can't really throw it out because it, it is a game that happened, right? That They're that team too. But that is, I mean, Florida State guys, I think is a top 10 team right now. I mean, the record is what it is. They have three losses, so they're not going to be in the top 10, but they're playing like a top 10 team right now. And they showed that when they played Georgia Tech. But against everyone not named Florida State over the past five, six weeks, they've been giving up 352 yards a game, 23 points per game in those other six games against every other opponent not named Florida State since Jeff Collins was fired. If you extrapolate that out defensively, that would put them in the top half of the ACC in, in all those categories, whether it's yards per game, uh, points per game, yards per play allowed, all of those things. They'd be in the top half, not the top third of the ACC, but the top half, which for Tech, like that's hey, that's improvement, man. That's something, right? 
And they have a couple of really good players. They do. I know we don't don't like to give Tech any credit. And trust me, I'm I'm leading that charge. I hate Georgia Tech, and I don't give them any credit. But if you're being objective, you watch the tape, they have a couple of really good players on defense, especially inside linebacker. I think they potentially have two NFL guys at inside linebacker. These are two guys who have been around a long time. Um, they're both seniors, Ayunde Ely and Charlie Thomas. Uh, Charlie Thomas is number one. Ayunde Ely is number two. So you can see them out, on the, out there on the field. Those are the guys I'm talking about. And I think you'll see pretty quickly those guys can play some football. They can run. They're physical between the tackles. They can take on blocks. They do a really good job. They, you can see they've played a lot of football for Georgia Tech. They, they are good athletes. I do think, especially Charlie Thomas, I think he's the better athlete of the duo. But I think they both could potentially have NFL futures. I'm not necessarily saying a, you know they're going to be NFL starters, but they have like NFL potential if things work out for them. In fact, they're number two and three in the ACC in tackles, which doesn't always mean necessarily all that much. Really, a lot of times what it means is that your defense is just out there on the field a lot more than other defenses, so you get a lot more tackles and you rack them up. Um, but hey, it's something, right? And uh, th- they've been pretty disruptive too, guys. They combined for 20 and a half tackles for loss and five and a half sacks on the year. So Ely and Thomas, number one, number two, in the middle of their defense. Those are the top two guys to really watch for on this Tech defense. And they have another senior. If you're going to throw a, a third guy in there, make it a trio, they got a guy named Ke- Keon White, who's another senior who, who actually leads them in sacks. He's got seven and a half sacks on the season, which is good enough for second in the ACC. He's actually got 13 TFLs all by himself, man. Like this guy is disruptive. So if you take those three players, that trio, Ely, Thomas, and White, they combined for 33 and a half tackles for loss and 13 sacks on the season. To just kind of put that in perspective, guys, give you a little bit of a comparison. I know their defense is built differently. They, they are more aggressive, more of an attacking style of defense than what our, what our defense is. But our top three guys in terms of disruption, tackles for loss, and, and sacks have combined for 19 tackles for loss and only eight and a half sacks compared to those tech guys, 33 and a half tackles for loss and 13 sacks. So they are very disruptive. No, they're not better than us on defense. I didn't read those stats out there to say, oh, Tech's better than us on defense. No, they're not, okay? They're not. But those numbers do tell you something. They are more aggressive. They mo- they are more disrupted defensively than we have been. Not better, but they just go about it a little bit of a different way. I mean, they're fringe as a team, guys. They are fringe top 20 in tackles for loss in the country, right? They are, I think, 21st nationally. Yeah, 21st nationally in tackles for loss. We're down at 89th nationally in tackles for loss. It's just a different philosophy. We're just built differently, but they're more attacking. They're more aggressive, and that's something we got to be, be prepared for. We don't want to get behind the change. That's not really a rest be for success offensively. Now, saying that, I feel dirty saying all these nice things about about Tech. I really do, guys. I do not like saying anything nice about Tech. But against the best offenses they have faced, it's been ugly. The defense has gotten better, but against the better teams they face, it's been really ugly. I mean, I told you guys, Florida State put up 642 yards and 7.8 yards per play against this Tech defense. Ole Miss, this is a while ago, this is back in the same weekend when we played South Carolina, Ole Miss put up 547 and 6.8 yards per play. Really, the only exception is North Carolina last weekend. That's the only good offense they've played that they've had success against. I mean, and they did have a lot of success against North Carolina. They held them to a season low 368 total yards and a season low, 17 points. Now, Josh Downs, North Carolina's top receiver, one of the best receivers in the entire country, he was hobbled for almost the entirety of that game. So that that certainly 
hurt North Carolina, but regardless, I mean, whether down, Downs has been in and out of that lineup all year, he hasn't really been 100% all year long if you watch North Carolina. So, I mean, they've still been productive even without him in the lineup. So Tech did a hell of a job stopping an extraordinarily high-powered North Carolina offense. I mean, Drake May came into that game with legitimate Heisman hopes, like legitimate Heisman hopes, and he left that game. I don't think he's in the picture now after that game, after that performance. I just don't think he is. So that was a great performance for Tech. But again, go back to Florida State, go back to Ole Miss, other two good offenses they've played, and it was uh, not a good look for them. And this game against us, guys, is not really a great matchup for Tech. Their pass defense has been pretty solid this year, but their rush defense has been bad. They are actually last, dead last in the ACC in rush defense, giving up 187 yards a game in 4.4 yards per rush. In fact, they have surrendered more than 200 yards rushing on four different occasions this year, including against a Miami team. And if you guys have watched Miami, you know what I'm talking about here. Miami is terrible on offense. They didn't even hit a 100 yards total offense against Clemson last week. They are bad. Miami's only rushing for 3.7 yards per rush this year, and they went over the 200-yard mark against this Georgia Tech rush defense. So that's not really a great matchup for this Tech defense when you consider who we have become over the past month and a half. We are still not a, I wouldn't say that we are a dominant rushing team, but we are a pretty damn good rushing team. And that is increasingly becoming our identity with each passing week. So I don't think this is, this is a great matchup for Tech, but I mean, I'm trying to be objective. They've played well. They played much better defensively over the past month and a half, or the past you know five, six games than they did prior to the Jeff Collins firing. And if this game stays remotely close, it is going to be because of the Georgia Tech defense. So that's the Tech defense. And before we move on to the Georgia Tech offense, let me just real quickly tell you about our new promotional deal with my bookie. I've been telling you guys about it all week, but if you missed it, make sure you hear me out on this one, guys. This is a great deal. I've actually never heard of a deal like this from any sort of sports betting company. So what my bookie is doing now with our promo code, and again, it's UGA. Go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code UGA. When you deposit $50 or more, you can receive up to $200 in actual cash that will be instantly deposited to your MyBookie account. It's not a bonus. It's not. There's no playthroughs or anything like that. It's just cash that's put into your MyBookie account, right? And then all you have to do is simply bet whatever it is that you deposit. So if you bet it, if you deposited fifty bucks, you deposit hundred bucks. Once you bet that amount of money, then that cash that they put into your account is freed up for you to withdraw, and you can just withdraw it, put it in your actual wallet, go out buy some gifts for people for Christmas, do whatever you want to do with it. And I've never seen a deal like that, guys. So I'm telling you, take advantage just while you can. We're going to be running this promotional deal for the next, what I've been told is the next month, month and a half year. So go ahead and jump in on this while you can. If you, know, if you need a little extra spending money, I mean, who doesn't need a little extra spending money? This is about as easy of a way to get that as you possibly can. So again, go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code UGA, and you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Okay, guys, let's move on a little bit here and let's turn this to the Georgia Tech offense. I told you all about the defense. I told you that if this game stays remotely close, it's because of the Georgia Tech defense. But on the flip side of that, if this game ends up being a blowout, it's because of the Georgia Tech offense, because they cannot score. This offense is bad, guys. Defense has improved. This offense has not improved at all. In fact, has it regressed? I think you can maybe make that argument that it has. Technically, They are not the worst offense in the ACC, sitting at 331 yards per game, 4.91 yards per play, yikes, and only 17.5 points per game. But the only reason they are not dead last in the ACC in all those offensive categories is because Boston College and Virginia Tech, two of the 10 worst offenses in all of college football, also happen to be in that murderer's row of a conference there in the ACC. If Tech was in the SEC, I went and looked this up, I was just curious. If Tech was in the SEC, guys, they would have by far the worst offense in terms of both total offense and yards per play. In fact, no team in the SEC right now, guys, is under 5.3 yards per play. And yeah, Tech's, again, 4.91. Tech's at 17.5 points per game. There is no team in the SEC averaging under 21 points per game right now. And if you're asking me, I watch a lot of football, guys, the SEC defenses are better by and large, maybe for NC State, than and Clemson, NC State and Clemson, those are two really good defenses. But outside of those, the SEC defenses are better, right? So Tech's offense is garbage. They are terrible. Now, I spent last week telling you how bad the Kentucky offense is, and you saw that firsthand. They are very bad on offense in the Bluegrass State. But this Tech offense makes Kentucky's offense look like 2019 LSU out there, man. Like, that's how bad this Tech offense is. And the biggest part of of why they are that bad and why they are one of the worst offenses is the same thing it is for any of the worst offenses in the country. It's quarterback play. They've just had dreadfully bad quarterback play really all year long. Jeff Sims, you know, he's been the guy from a couple years for a couple years now, at least when he can stay healthy. This year he has not really been healthy. He started the year kind of healthy and then got banged up, came back for a little bit and got banged up again. But I mean, he got hurt midway through the season against Virginia. It was a Thursday night game I was actually watching. Had the, had the under on that game. That hit easy. But he was he got knocked down that game, and um, he really has not been back since that point. His backup, Zach Pyron, who's a dual threat guy, who's doing some solid things with him on offense, he's also out now for the rest of the season. So now it's a, it's a two-quarterback system now. They've got Zach Gibson, who's a transfer from Akron. He's from Georgia, but he transferred from Akron. Uh, played there for a little while. And then Tyson Pumanchan, who's a transfer from Clemson. Gibson is the guy who's going to get the majority of the reps. 
um, at least based on what we saw last week in that game against North Carolina. And he's the passer of the two. He's got he's got competent legs, but he's not really a runner. He's more of a passer. Pumachan is the runner that kind of struggles to throw the football. In fact, it's hard for me to even say that he struggles to throw the ball because I haven't really seen him do it much at Tech. He's only thrown five passes on the year. So he, he will come in, though, as kind of a change of pace guy, and they'll kind of try to catch you sleeping there with him in the game and maybe try to hit a pass over the top. But he made no mistake. When he gets in the game, more likely than not, it's to try to run the football. But it will be Gibson, if, if, if you go off what we saw last against North Carolina, who gets the majority of the reps. I mean, he's kind of a fiery guy at quarterback, but, I mean, that doesn't matter. He's not good. Uh, he's completing 55% of his passes this year, only 5.8 yards per attempt, one touchdown and two picks. And he was bad early in the year when he had to come in in some spot duty. Uh, he looked a little bit better against North Carolina, a little bit more competent, but he's still, again, not good. They are um, dead last in passing offense in the ACC, and they're 111th nationally in passing offense. They're averaging 190 yards a game through the air, only 6.1 yards per attempt in total, nine touchdowns and nine picks. Not good, guys. I mean, I'm just telling you, they're not good. They're not good on offense. Um, and, uh, if you ask me why they're not good throwing the football, well, it's just what I said earlier. It's, again, all about the quarterback. Because I actually think they have two solid options at receiver. Nate McCollum and Malachi Carter, I think are actually two pretty talented wideouts. McCollum's got 590 yards receiving. Carter's got 318. I think if you put them on a team that even has like a halfway decent quarterback, they would they could potentially, both those guys could push for, to be like a thousand yard receivers if they actually had a decent quarterback. I and mean, I think they're pretty talented players, but I mean, they just don't have that quarterback and that sucks for them, man. It sucks for them. So no, I do not think they're going to beat us through the air. So the question becomes, can they beat us on the ground? And they are better here. They do run the ball better than they throw the football. But as I just went through, they don't throw the ball well at all. It's all relative, right? But they're seventh in the ACC in rushing offense, 141 yards a game, only 3.91 yards per rush. They do have a couple of solid backs. Like They don't really have a game changer at running back. But Hassan Hall, Dante Smith are the top two guys. Hall's got 520 yards rushing, averages 4.5 yards per rush. Smith's got 386 on the ground and averages five yards a rush. Uh, this is where Pumachan helps when he is in. It's not only that Pumachan will run the ball, he will, but you have to account for his ability to run the ball when he's in there, and that opens up things for for Smith and Hall to operate a little bit more because you have the numbers of Ange in the box. So Pumachan, they, they'll use him. They, they did last, last week, and I imagine they will in this game to try to throw a curveball at us. And guys, I mean, look, I fully expect Tech to come out there with nothing to lose, right? I mean, hey, this is for ball eligibility for Tech. Like this is this is their chance. They're playing their rival, who's the number one team in the country, the defending national champion, and they are going to come out there with absolutely nothing to lose. And they're going to, well, you know, I mean, I say it every week. They're going to give us their best shot. Yeah, yeah, we know that. But I mean, I expect them to throw the kitchen sink at us, guys. Trick plays, onside kicks, reverses, you know, throwback passes, flea flickers, like you name it, like Statue of Liberty, man. They might even pull that out. I don't know. But whatever they've got in that bag, I fully imagine they're going to pull that out. I mean, it's like you have a head coach who's, you know, on the hot seat. It's an interim guy. I'm sure he hopes he gets the head coaching job. Probably won't, but who knows? They've been pretty good, you know, with him in there. Maybe he will. He's an alumnus. Maybe. I don't know. But I I think this is a a game where they are going to throw everything at us and see what happens. And uh, Pumanchan, when he's in there, he's a guy that has some versatility and can do some things. You just got to be aware of what they can do with a guy like that in the game at quarterback. So yeah, they do run the ball better than they throw the ball, but they're still not particularly good at that. And uh, the question you have to ask yourself is, okay, all right, so they're better running the ball than they are throwing the ball. But are they good enough running the football to rely on that one dimension against the number three rush defense in all of America? 
Well, signs point to no on that one. And that is why we should win this game going away. All right, guys, I'm going to cut off the tech preview there. I think we've got enough. That's what, about 20 minutes of tech talk there, close enough. So uh, let's go ahead. We're going to transition into the early thoughts on LSU. But before I get there, I do just want to quickly remind you guys about our friends at Alumni Hall. I know a lot of you that are listening to this right now are probably out there doing some Black Friday shopping right this second. And if you are, make sure if you're looking for any kind of Georgia gear, head over to Alumni Hall. And if you're remotely close to the Athens area, it's worth the trip, guys. It's inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center right there on the uh, near the Oconee Connector. And they're going to have a crazy number of deals for you guys. The best section of George Gear anywhere. And even if you're not in the area and you're one of those Black Friday shoppers from home where we can do all the online, online shopping now, which is kind of what I do, do it right now, guys. You can come back to this episode, pause it, go to alumnihall.com, and check out all the incredible Georgia gear they have for you guys. You're not going to find a better selection literally anywhere. Their vintage selection is top-notch. There's nowhere. I mean, I find so much stuff at Alumni Hall that I cannot find anywhere else. I don't see it anywhere else. I mean, I love the old-school Georgia Bulldog, like the, the Bulldog face. That's my go-to logo. I like the standing Bulldog. I like the old Block G. I like all those things, and I can't really find that stuff anywhere else, but Alumni Hall has all sorts of different kinds of, of, of those logos on all sorts of different kind of gear, so make sure to check them out, guys. That's the place to go if you're looking for Georgia gear for friends, family, loved ones, whoever it is. Maybe you're it doesn't matter. They've got you covered because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldog shop. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Okay, so we did the tech preview. We went through that, and I know this is what you guys have been waiting on. A lot of you out there, you've already let me know on social media. You're far more interested in some early thoughts on the SEC Championship game and the LSU Tigers than you were about Georgia Tech. So I appreciate you humoring me there and allowing me to give you a couple of thoughts, a little bit of a preview on Georgia Tech. But let's go ahead, man. Let's dive into the SEC Championship game. And uh, I, I, I do want to put this disclaimer out there. All right, before I jump in here, the full-on SEC Championship game preview is going to be coming next week, guys. I will fully have that for you. I've watched LSU all year. I watched a lot of football, and I've watched a lot of LSU. But I, to be honest with you, I have not dove like full-on headfirst into all the numbers and gone back and done the rewatches that I will do over the next couple of days. Sunday is going to be a big day for that for me. Haven't gotten there yet. But I have I have seen enough of LSU, and I follow them closely enough this year to give you some early thoughts. So just understand, like I'm not going to do a full-on preview of the SEC Championship game in LSU. It's not what this is. It's just some early thoughts that kind of been like running through my mind, 
over the past week or so since they've clinched and we know who we're playing. So I just want to make sure to put that out there. That full preview is coming. But for now, let's start here talking about LSU. LSU is fully capable of beating us, guys. Just know that. They are. I mean, they, they, they shouldn't beat us, but they have enough talent and they have enough impact players to be fully capable of beating us next weekend. That is something that could happen. That is a, a realistic possibility. There are some teams we play every week that, no, it's not really a realistic possibility, no matter how poorly we play. But if we come out and play kind of poorly in this game, and, and I wouldn't say that we're going to go through the motions, but if we don't bring our A game, if we don't play to our standard, we can definitely lose this game. I think most of you know that, but I just want to put that out there. Um, LSU's played by far their best football of the season over the last month. I mean, over the past, what, five weeks here, they beat Ole Miss by 25. Uh, they beat Bama at home, and we know that was a tight game. Hey, they beat Bama at home. They won at Florida. They beat Florida very comfortably on the road. And they've done that because they figured out who they are. If you watched LSU, you know, early in the year, back, like even that, that the opening kickoff game, it was a Sunday night, right? Sunday or Monday, I think it was Sunday, against Florida State in New Orleans, they... Uh, they didn't really know who they were then. Like It was still very much a feeling out process for them, especially offensively early in the season. But about midway through the year, really after that Tennessee loss, they kind of settled on who they are and what they need to be. And they figured out, okay, what we're good at is Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels is really good with his legs. He's our best weapon on offense. So we need to feature him in that role. And once they really figure that out, I mean, they've really kind of gotten on a roll here. And that makes them dangerous, right? It makes them far more dangerous than they were before the Tennessee loss because now they know who they are and they've got, you know, five, six games under their belt being that team and kind of sharpening and honing that. And they're just playing their best football of the season. And it's, you know, th- those kind of teams that just get better as the season goes on like, and they start peaking at the right time. Those are teams that can be really dangerous when you get to this point in the season. So I just have to put that out there, guys. I just have to put that out there that they are capable of beating us. But saying that, the interesting thing about LSU, when you really watch them play, is I, I sit there and I watch them play. I'm like, you know, LSU's good. They're good. And I think about it, I'm like, okay, well, what are they good at? And I'm like, huh, I don't know. Not like anything, like any one thing in particular. They're not. Like, it's weird. They're just not especially good at any one specific thing. They they do run the ball better than they throw us. So if you ask me offensively, what do they do best? They run the ball best. That's what they do best. But they're not like elite running the football. I mean, that's what they want to do, but they're just not like, especially like dominant doing that. I mean, they average five yards less than us on the ground each game. So you're like, oh, they're kind of like right where we are, but they average more than a half yard less per rush than we do, which is kind of, huh, all right. So they run the ball a lot more than we do, but they're not nearly as efficient doing it as we are. I mean, in fact, if you look at their actual numbers, um, they're about, they're, you know, again, they're, they're like top five-ish in rushing offense. Uh, passing their middle of the pack in the SEC, they're fine. They're not bad like Georgia Tech is in terms of throwing the football down the field, but they're not, again, they're not especially good at it. They can hit some plays, but they don't do it with any sort of consistency. But the one single most important thing that you got to know about this LSU offense, so if you've never seen LSU play this season, which I think you know, if you listen to this podcast, chances are, yeah, you've seen LSU play because you love college football. But in case there's some of you out there that you know, for whatever reason haven't had a chance to really take in LSU, the one thing you got to know about this offense is that it is built entirely around Jaden Daniels, their quarterback, who, who is by far their leading rusher on the year. And in fact, he's in the top 10 in, SC, in the SEC in rushing yards per game. Like he is, it's not even close. Like he is their top rushing threat. And they do do some design QB run stuff with him, 
But a lot of, when you watch him play, guys, a lot of his yards come off scrambles. He is deadly when he's scrambling, escaping the pocket. I mean, you got to have somebody that can absolutely stay with him because he will just gut you with those scrambles and like picking up first downs. And I'm talking about chunks of yardage off scrambles. And they also run some old school RPOs with him. And when I say old school RPOs, like, like legitimate RPOs today, it's not exactly what people think it is. What when the term RPO first came into prominence, what a lot of people thought it was, there's this misconception out there is people thought it was what you used to do playing insulated football back in the day on Xbox or PlayStation, right? Where you would take a dual threat quarterback and maybe you did it with Madden. Like Michael, the first guy who really did this was Michael Vick in that whatever year that was with Madden. Was it Madden 04? I don't know, whatever. I don't know what year that was. 04? Maybe 04. I don't know, whatever year it was. And, but you take the quarterback, the dual threat quarterback, and you roll him outside the pocket, right? And if a team is in man coverage, what would they do? They would just, they run, you run, you basically run Hail Mary, right? And you have the guys running vertical down the field and everybody's turned and their backs are chasing the receivers. And so the quarterback can just run free for 20, 30 yards, right? Or if they're in zone coverage, you put the defend that, that corner in conflict. Does he drop with the receiver? If he does, quarterback takes off and runs. If he stays with the quarterback, what do you do? You just throw it over his head, right? I would murder people with my dynasty. You know, that's, that was like, I wouldn't, I felt like it was cheating. I got, I got so good at that. So I tried to not do it unless like I absolutely had to in that moment. But, you know, that's not really what RPOs are now where, you know, you're, you have a defender, you have a quarterback who's reading a specific defender, whether it's a safety, a linebacker, or a star defender, whatever it is, you're reading that guy. And if he, if he crashes against the run, you throw it over his head, right? If he stays back with the pass and coverage, then you hand off because you have the numbers of Angie in the box. But LSU has going back, and they're like the old school RPO, what everyone used to think it was, what I used to do with Michael Vick back in the day or whatever dual threat quarterback in insulated football. They will literally just roll the guy out in the pocket. They'll roll a receiver out into the flat with him, and they will just give him the option. Do you want to throw the ball? Do you want to run the ball? And he's just basically looking at what the defender's doing. If the defender's running with, if all the defenders are running with the receivers, he just takes off, man. You just give him the slightest bit of, of air, and that dude is gone. Like, he is deceptively fast. Like he is, a, like he can move. He doesn't look like he's moving that fast sometimes, but the dude can scoot, especially once he gets going. He's got some elusiveness to his game as well. So you, you've got to be aware of what they want to do with him because make no mistake about it, he is the guy. Jaden Daniels is the guy for LSU on offense. If you take him away in the run game, you have the Arkansas game. If you guys watched that a couple weeks ago, I mean, Arkansas should have won that game. I mean, honestly, they blew that game. And the reason they should have won that game is because they completely took away Jane Daniels as a threat in the run game. So doing what Arkansas was able to do, taking him out of the equation in the run game, is absolutely going to be the key to this game for us. I mean, they have some talented wideouts. They really do. I think, I mean, I told you in the preseason, I, I predicted this LSU team to go 10-2 and in the preseason. I did not have them playing the SEC championship game because I had Alabama going 11-1. and But I did have LSU beating Alabama. I just didn't have Alabama losing to Tennessee. But I thought LSU would be pretty good. And one of the primary reasons I felt LSU would be pretty good is I thought they had some really good receivers. I thought they had the best receiver room in the SEC, especially with Keyshawn Booty out there. I mean, Booty hasn't been really their number one guy. It's been Malik Neighbors. But I saw enough out of Neighbors and Jare Jenkins and, and Jack Beck last year to think, okay, this is a really good receiving room. And I, I still think that it is. But the issue for them is, is that Jane Daniels, that's just not what he does, right? Like he's just not comfortable as a drop back passer. I mean, he can hit those guys from time to time. He'll make some good throws. Like he's he's actually a really, really good deep ball passer. You can go back to when he was at Arizona State, you know, watching him back then when he was at Arizona State, like intermediate short stuff, he was not very efficient. But if you just called a, a go route 
and he saw man coverage out there, I mean, he could drop the ball on a dime down the field. He's got a good arm, and he can still do that with these guys, but he's just not really efficient down-to-down throwing the ball as a drop-back passer, so their numbers aren't what they probably should be, but they have some talented receivers. Just make sure you know that. It's also going to be really important to pressure Jaden Daniels, which is true for any quarterback, but especially for a guy like this, because I think that we can do that. I know that we don't rush the passer and get the sack numbers especially well, but I go back to last week. I told y'all Kentucky was the worst team in the SEC in terms of sacks allowed, and I wasn't lying. They are, but it was actually a tie. They were tied with LSU. I think I mentioned that last week. They were tied with LSU, and they're actually still tied. They both have given up 40 sacks on the year, and that is tied for dead last in the SEC. Arkansas, a couple weeks back, had seven in that one game against Jane Daniels. And they held him, again, held Jane Daniels to 10 yards rushing on 19 carries, half a yard a carry in that game. That is the formula. That is how you slow down this LSU offense. That is how you beat this LSU team. You have to take away Jaden Daniels' threat as a runner, and you have to pressure him. If you can do those two things, if we can do those two things, they're not going to beat us. In fact, we win this game very, very comfortably. But that's easier said than done. Easier said than done, but that is the formula. Now, the flip side, while they aren't a, they're not a dominant pass rushing team as a whole. Like statistically, they're kind of middle of the pack. They have like twenty five sacks on the year. But they do have a one-man wrecking crew in Harold Perkins, who you guys, if you've watched LSU, you know who I'm talking about. This is the guy, he's a, he's a freshman. He is everything I wished, I always wished Adam Anderson would be, but he never quite was. Harold Perkins is already that dude. Now, early in the year, he wasn't as much of a factor, but this dude has grown up real quick. He has six sacks in the last month alone. He single-handedly won the Arkansas game for them, guys. And if you watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. He single-handedly won that game for them with game-changing play after game-changing play. I don't think at this point it is really an exaggeration to say that Harold Perkins is LSU's Jaden Daniels of their defense. Like, I don't think that's an exaggeration. I think he has become that impactful and that integral to what Matt House and company want to do on that side of the ball for the LSU Tigers. So they do have other good players around him, but again, Harold Perkins is the dude. He is the guy. You have to know where he is on every single snap. You have to have a plan for him. You have to account for him. He's the one you have to game plan around first and foremost before anyone else on this LSU defense. Now, outside of Perkins, I I think they're better in their front seven. In fact, I strongly believe LSU is good in their front seven. And they're fine in the back end. They're just not as good in the back end as they have been traditionally. They don't have those kind of guys at cornerback. Um, they're not a great rush defense, uh, but they are top five in the conference. They have a couple guys on the defensive line I really like. Jacqueline Roy is a really, really good player up front as a defensive tackle for them. Ali Gay as a, as a defensive end has been a good player for them for a couple of years now. Micah Baskerville is a really good inside linebacker for them. BJ Ojolari, you know that name, right? Ojolari, that is indeed Aziz's younger brother. I wish he was here playing for us, but you know, he's not. He's over in Baton Rouge. He's another dangerous pass rusher. In fact, I thought he would be one of the best pass rushers in the entire league coming into this year. And he's been good. He's just kind of been overshadowed by Perkins. He's got five sacks in the year, I think, right now. But Perkins is just like kind of taking over that role for them. Um, but they're good. They're good in their front seven. However, I do think they can be had in the back end if, if we can protect Stetson Bennett, which we've done a very good job of this year. And in particular, here's another name from our past that you might remember. Major Burns. Remember that name? Major Burns out of high school. Came here, got homesick, transferred out. He's now at LSU where he is starting at safety for them. He is the one that I would circle and target over and over 
and over and over again. Alabama like made him look absolutely foolish. I mean, I felt bad for the guy in that game because he can't cover people. He's he's just he is not a cover guy. He's got stiffness in his hips. He gets his eyes in the backfield too much. Like he is just not equipped to really cover guys anywhere on that field. I think that's a match that we can exploit over and over and over again, especially with our tight end. So I would circle that one and um, try to hit some big plays there, uh, getting him matched up one-on-one, whether it's Brock, whether it's Ladd, whoever it might be, Kiaris, even Darnell. We can win and win consistently against that guy. But I think I'm going to stop there, guys. I'm going to stop there. Those are just some early thoughts for you. I have a lot more to get into, but before I go any further, I do want to, again, just dive into the numbers, go back and rewatch some of these games and get some more detailed information for you guys. And I will have all of that for you on our official SEC Championship Game preview episode that we will be running next week. But there's just some early thoughts for you guys to kind of satiate you for a little bit heading into next week. But thank you guys for being here. Again, if you're out there doing some Black Friday shopping, God bless you. Stay safe out there. But we'll be back next week, guys. Let's get through this game first. We cannot overlook tech. I'm telling you, they are improving. Like, they're, they're not good, right? They're not good. But, hey, let's respect our opponents. Let's not get caught in a trap game situation here. And let's just take care of business, move on to next week, and we'll talk more and more and more and more about the SEC Championship game. But thank you guys for being here. Love each and every one of you. I'm Tyler. And as always... Go dogs!